0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest
1: 5G network. David, thanks for joining me. Hi, yeah. Thanks for having me. So take me through this. I mean, essentially, we've talked a lot about, for example, the teacher's union. That's a big one. And it looks like... From the outside, a money laundering operation sometimes. But take me through what your research has found, David.
2: That's pretty close. So uh, what we did at the Commonwealth Foundation, we've, we've known for a long time that unions are one of the most powerful political forces in Harrisburg. You might have to be in Harrisburg to know that, but it's plain. It's obvious. Every time that we were trying to get some reform done, a very reasonable reform in the House or the Senate, um, we encountered the same powerful forces every time and they were lobbyists paid for by some of the most powerful unions in our state. Um, so what we wanted to do was basically trace some of the money here and see what unions were how unions were investing their political capital and what we found was just over this past election cycle 21 to 22 unions across the country spent about seven hundred eight point eight million dollars on overt political activities. And you're right, um, th- those political activities are predominantly liberal causes. Mm-hmm. So um, and, uh, we broke it down into two categories and we looked just at the four top unions, um, the two teachers' unions, the National Education Association and, and American Federation of Teachers, and then two of the biggest um, state and county and municipal unions, AFSCME and SCIU. Just looking at those unions, Uh, We broke down into two categories, their political spending. First, using PAC dollars. This is overt political stuff. Usually they're giving it directly to a candidate. That's pretty easy to track. What's never really been tracked before is the remaining money. They actually use membership dues, dues that teachers pay, dues that, you know, county clerks and social workers pay. Mm -hmm. They take that money and immediately send it over to a super PAC political organizations that use that money for equally political activities but it's very hard to track. Um, They're spent on uncoordinated expenditures that don't show up in FEC reporting. Now it does show up in some of the documents they file with the Department of Labor. So we went through all that. What we were able to uncover is that about 60 percent of the union's political spending is actually done this way using membership dues and it's just the remaining 40 percent that are spent using PAC dollars. It all adds up to a huge number and a lot of influence in uh, state houses across the country.
1: Yeah, and so I mean, you talk about the e- NEA, the American Federation of Teachers, American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees. I mean, how much money are we talking about? And do you feel does your research shows show does your research show that it's the union leadership versus the membership? Is there political pressure on the members who they're going to vote for? Are you looking down into that type thing or are you simply you're following the money trail here? Following
2: the money trail, but I do think that tells a pretty compelling story about um, union leadership versus membership. So uh, the, the uh, we talked about how, how it's unbalanced and, and it, it tends to favor liberal causes. Well, that number is not just 60-40. When we track the PAC spending to candidates, it's in Pennsylvania, it's 95% going to Democrats. Wow. And you, you don't have to know much about the, the, um, the membership composition to realize that that's probably pretty unbalanced. And um, even if you assume that membership is 60 40 or, or 70 30, mm-hmm. it's certainly not 95 to 5. And um, unfortunately, members that are in unions don't really get the opportunity to decide where their money's going. That decision is always made by the leaders of the organizations.
1: You know, I'm thinking about this and bear with me for a second, David, but when I, when mm-hmm. I think about the trial that just happened in Philadelphia with John Dockerty, IBW, and you think of power influence, the unions and Johnny doc being accused, for example, of, and, and now the jury found him guilty of, um, you know, using union membership dollars from the union brethren that he that I know he loved. I mean, he's in a, he's a larger than life figure, but in essence, I'm just I'm just going to ask the quiet part out loud. What's the difference? In other words, if these union leaders are using these dollars to wine and dine or to spend the money on campaigns to get for themselves as well as the union, isn't that buying for influence? And could you not argue that somebody who's spending a lot of money. On, on lavish events also, that, that there's an apples-to-apples comparison there as far as spending money to to get stuff for, yes, yourself, but as well your union.
2: Yeah, there's a huge difference between these public sectors and IBEW. Um, I'll, I'll give you two reasons. Okay. I mean, one is what we've looked at are, are public sector unions These are the teachers unions, you know, we mentioned the the unions that represent uh, uh, state, county, municipal workers, Mm -hmm. Um, they are, when they go to the bargaining table, they are sitting across from the very politicians that they help to elect. Um, Private sector unions like Johnny Docks, what they do is they, they can spend all the money that they want, but they can't change who they bargain with. They're sitting across the table from management of, you know, multimillion dollar corporations that have their own agenda. And these are adverse interests. Our hope with collective bargaining is that, the, the, you know, putting two people in a room who can't agree are going to come to an agreement that ends up being a compromise between those two sides. Back to the public sector, that's not what's happening. What happens is the union gets people elected and those people are not adverse to their interests. In fact, they owe the union. And, you know, it's not a business that's on the hook and it's not a business that can go out of business, you know, can run out of money and go bankrupt. It's a it's the government itself, and when that's true, you know it's the taxpayers who are ultimately on the hook. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things you, know, you mentioned as I was coming on, Josh Shapiro is nationwide the top recipient of government union PAC money. The top recipient, and it's not even close. He's at four point five million dollars this past election cycle, and the next one up is someone from California who received one point three. It's not even close. Uh, he received a ton of money. The very next thing he did. Um, when he came into office, was sit across the bargaining table from AFSCME and then SCIU, uh, who had given, AFSCME had given him $1.2 million in his 2022 campaign. And guess what? That contract included a 20% wage increase over four years for state employees, a huge return on investment for AFSCME. And, you know, if it's a business and Josh Shapiro was running it, mm-hmm. we can trust that he's doing the right thing with his money. But when he's running the government and ultimately it's taxpayers who are on the hook for these government salaries, you know, I think it's fair to question whether there's a conflict of interest here for him. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, I was referring more because IBEW and during the Johnny Doc era, of course, they, d- they donated millions over the years to some of the top Democrats and elected officials. So I was looking at that, but I appreciate it's an apples and oranges situation. I, it was something that's been in the headlines, and so I was thinking about that. But as far as – I'll give you another example. We have Matt Bradford, who received a ton of money from the teachers' union. He was the one in Montgomery County who had, who mm-hmm. had basically put the kibosh on any hope for these Lifeline scholarships – that I've done a lot of interviews on, David, and I know the Commonwealth Foundation is, is very much for school choice in any kind of a situation that can reach out to children across Pennsylvania, especially here in the Philadelphia region. I mean, depending on if you're in the city of Philadelphia, depending on your zip code, I can pretty much predict what's, what the outcome is for a child because I know that their school sucks, their public schools mm are among the worst in the now. I mean, I live in the city. I'm a longtime resident, okay? So I'll, I say this on a personal sense. My kids have gone to, you know, private Catholic schools because of it. And that's basically, yeah, there are some world-class public schools, a couple in Philadelphia, although they've gone, dropped a little bit since the pandemic. But ultimately, you know, I think about that. And I think about the fact that, for example, Matt Bradford in Montgomery County, when when he put the kibosh on that, nobody's surprised because he was funded by the teachers' union. They're against any kind of school choice. That's yeah. the kind of thing that you're talking about.
2: Yep. Yeah, so they've got influence, certainly, with Josh Shapiro, but you could argue, given that Josh Shapiro's been open, the idea of vouchers. He promised and,
1: on it. He, he went on Fox News, of all places, and said mm-hmm. that that was his campaign promise.
2: Well, if they can't get him, you know, they, uh-huh. they've gone after every single House member, and it's clear that they are the most powerful force against school choice in Harrisburg and you know, where's the money coming from? Ultimately it's coming from members dues.
1: So what's, what's the remedy here? In other words, first of all, you mentioned that some of these are not, there's not a lot of transparency. That's a problem, but what ultimately what's the remedy with um, these kinds of donations and how Mm -hmm. they influence the elections and the elected officials?
2: Yeah. One is transparency. Um, It's a great question. I, I think um, this report is one step towards that. I think it's important that members know that their deuce dollars are ultimately spent on politics and that they have the choice to, to withdraw from that, um, from, the, from their ha- having to fund these issues. Um, and then, second, uh, I think there are broader reforms that we've pushed for in the past and have been adopted in other states that would work really well in Pennsylvania. One is called recertification. Recertification would basically allow union members to vote on whether to keep their union in power, and that would be an important thing because right now there is no such uh, opportunity. We looked one time at the um, Philadelphia Federation of Teachers, who came into in uh, became the union for for Philadelphia school teachers back in the 70s. We looked at whether any of those people. Have who voted for them originally in the '70s are still there, and we found one librarian. She's probably since retired. Mm-hmm. One librarian that had been there for decades. Um, aside from that, you know, no one in the school ha- actually had an opportunity in the '70s to vote on whether to be represented by PFT. And PFT, I've got to tell you, we've gotten so many complaints, not just about their political power and the way that they exercise it, but about their aptitude as a union. They're just not the greatest union in the world. And uh, what would what would really help them to remain focused and become perhaps a better union is to remain accountable to the teachers in the school district. If they had an opportunity to vote, you know, just like you would do for your Senator or uh, for your house member, you know, that would, that would at least be a small step in the right direction. And I don't care if it's every two years, every four years, or every 10 years, it'd be better than what we got now.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
2: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I know that, David, um, you're you're also an attorney, and you have a lot of experience advocating for teachers, firefighters, other public employees, especially if they were in any way mistreated by union officials. I, I think of yesterday with the huge news conference there. The president was here, Shapiro, the governor was here, as well as Mayor Jim Kenney. I thought about the firefighters and how many of them used to call him to my show actually during COVID and say they were being forced, for example, to take an emergency COVID vaccine. Didn't want to a lot of first responders, police fire, etc., cetera, for religious reasons or their own personal reasons. They did not want, you know, they did not like the COVID policy, but they were forced out. Where is, I just want to ask you, where is that? Because I know there were some lawsuits back and forth. I think that we no longer have that policy, but what about those who lost their jobs amid th- these COVID policies that were among the strictest in the nation?
2: Yeah, I'm not sure what it is okay. in Philadelphia. A lot of them are getting their jobs back. You know, New York City was uh, um, especially egregious on these issues. And they relied, just as Philadelphia did, on the unions to basically get the members in line and get their get their vaccinations. Um, you know, a lot of this is fizzling because vaccinations didn't turn out to be a cure-all. Mm-hmm. Um uh, on the other hand, there were a lot of people that were hurt in the meantime i I'm telling you nationwide, many of them are getting their jobs back, so that's that's good yeah but um but a lot of them did sense that the union who pretends to be on their side turns out to be in league with the with the uh with management often, and you know even if they're not it's unfortunate that unions have to create a one size fits all that's how it works they They come to agreement on a collective bargaining agreement that's supposed to manage everybody's working life when the reality is we could probably have more flexibility in our jobs without a document like a collective agreement.
1: yeah it's true i've often commented david that whether it's congress or whether it's um in congress there's no hr department right it Mm -hmm. it seems like they have fuzzy policies with with things like this that you're talking about whether it's our state capitol and our elected officials here in pennsylvania or To the point of these unions, these union members, other than hiring a lawyer, who do you go to if you, if you ultimately, I mean, other than you, David Osborne, but (laughs) who do you go to? There's, is there a state watchdog group that you actually could go to and they would be an arbiter that is fair and balanced that you could trust other than the union when you're in a union?
2: Yeah. Well, some people go to, you know, if they're uh, mistreated by their employer and they're a civil servant, they can go to the civil service, you know, and, and uh, get some relief there. But ultimately, I'm sorry to say it, it takes lawsuits. That's the yeah. language that the unions speak. So there is an organization um, that uh, I helped to build. It's called the Fairness Center in Harrisburg. It's an organization that's a public interest law firm. That means that they represent people for free. And um, their specific focus is on helping those who've been hurt by public sector union officials. So it, the narrow space that we're talking about right now, if we've got, you know, a union member or uh, a public employee who's listening and who um, feels that their union hasn't represented them well, the first place I tell them to go is the Fairness Center. It's a fantastic organization.
1: And as far as common ground on educational funding, this is a great read. I'll just point out the Commonwealth if anybody wants to read about this, and I think that the Commonwealth Foundation, um, it's originally published in the Mercury, but you had reposted it there. It's a great article about what's going on in the Pennsylvania legislature, but they, it looks like they're trying to push for common ground on education funding, especially mm-hmm. post-pandemic. Do you have anything that you can enlighten us as far as that goes?
2: Well, you know, it all goes back to that decision yeah. um, by the court that, that we've got to invest – something in these, um, in in our educational system. Uh, But I I have to say, the answer is not money. And the court didn't say that either. They didn't say that we had to increase our funding for the educational system. What it directed the legislature to do is to go back and reconsider how they're doing education, you know, from the beginning. And one of the potential answers to that question is to provide more choice. Um, There are plenty of Democrats who I could get in an office setting to admit that school choice would be one potential route to fix this. The problem is when they get out into the legislative body and the unions are listening, they change their tune completely. that That's the first thing that we need to fix.
1: Amen. Well, I hope that you go to the commonwealthfoundation.org. You, know, you have a great site, David, that I know that, that you believe in the Commonwealth Foundation and what you're doing, talking about fairness, independence, transparency, These are huge, important issues that I could, I could, you know, listen to you all day talking about. But sometimes I, I, I just feel like in a, in a day, six hours live in a day, David, I'm talking about the, maybe the problems and the bad news. I would say I'm always thankful for people like you and the Commonwealth Foundation because what you're doing is you are, yes, putting a light, shining a light on these issues, David. But as well, you're proposing some answers, not just transparency, but talking about the issues, educating people on what is going on here with great detail. I just so appreciate what you do as well as what the Commonwealth Foundation does.
2: Well, thank you. I appreciate coming on.
1: Absolutely. Well, until next time, David Osborne, really appreciate you, CommonwealthFoundation.org. Thanks, David.
2: You too. Thank you.